The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. So we're here. We're at the end of it all. And let me read to you the very ending the book of Ruth. This is it. We've come to the end. And it is perfect. Ruth chapter 4, you can follow along in your bulletins. And we're going to push open this text for your hearts today. Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 to 22. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. This is the word of the Lord. You know, it's, it's too perfect. This, this is the perfect ending to the story. It, it, this, this is an ending that is more delightful than Disney's happily ever after. This, this is an ending and a finale that, well, it's better than, than the story of the wild boars and their dramatic rescue in Thailand. I mean, all, all of the major characters in the story, their, their storylines are neatly wrapped in a bow. The, and the narrator, it seems... He wants us to understand that, and he wants us to take that to heart because this is what you don't notice in the English translation. We meet Naomi first in what we might call the prologue. It's the introduction to the book. And then here at the very end of the book, what we have just read is what we call the epilogue. This is the end of the book. And did you know this? Bible trivia. The author of the book put the same exact number of words in the prologue as he did the epilogue. Now, why would he do that? It is because he wants us to compare and contrast Naomi at the beginning of the book with Naomi at the end of the book. And do you remember how she was at the beginning of the book? She, she is in exile in a foreign country named Moab. She has lost her husband. She has lost not one sons, but two sons. 
and she is destitute and in poverty. We could sum it up in three words, exile, poverty, loneliness. I mean, it was bad. This was the very beginning of the book. This is where we met her. And now what the narrator shows to us is this is what the Lord did in her life. He turned everything upside down and inside out, didn't he? This woman who was alone now has a family. The daughter-in-law who was not able to have children, she was barren for 10 years, now has a son. This woman who was living in an exile in a foreign country now is back at home in Bethlehem. And it's, it's just a perfect ending. It really is. I mean, this is how the book ends. This is how the narrator portrays the very end of the book. There's Naomi. Imagine it with me. There is Naomi. And she is holding in her arms her giggling grandson. And there is a glint in his eye. You know the glint that only the young people have. Full of life and joy. He is giggling there and she doesn't even mind. She doesn't even mind changing those stinky diapers because there she is and she is holding what for her was unbelievable at the beginning of the book. Her grandson. And that is the perfect ending. Too perfect. I think, I think she sensed it like way deep down that, that things just couldn't turn out this good. Like, like maybe the, the shoe, the other shoe was about to drop. Like maybe there was a curse on her life. I think, I think she could feel that this was... Too perfect of an ending because there's some oddities here. Did you notice them? There's some strange things in this epilogue. Did you notice this, for example, that Naomi has not, not a single word of praise on her lips? Not a single one. She does not open her, her mouth to say a single thing to the, to the Lord at all. Not at all. And, and that's an odd thing, isn't it? The people who opened their lips were the women in the community. They actually go to Naomi and they say, praise be to the Lord. Look at what the Lord has placed in your arms. It is your own Redeemer. And it is He who will turn your bitterness into sweetness. It is He who will give you life even into old age. It is these women who are singing and naming the presence of the Lord in Naomi's life. But Naomi, she doesn't say a single thing. Not even one word. And that for me is odd. But it's not just that. Did you notice that Grandma Naomi doesn't pick up the child not right away. And that for me is strange. You know, I know grandmas a little bit. <laughs> and what grandmas do is they ignore the parents and the first thing that they do is they run over to the children, right? But that's not what happens here. Actually, the women of the community, it seems, have this child in their arms and say, hey, Naomi, look, this is your grandson. Do you want to pick him up? Do you want to hold him in your lap, maybe? 
It's only after the women speak gospel truth into Naomi's life that then, the narrator says, then she takes him into her arms. And it seems like she legally adopts him. And that for me is strange. That for me is very strange for grandma. But the biggest oddity of them all, the biggest, you know, weird thing that happens in this section is the fact that this baby, it seems, doesn't have a name for a long, long time. You know, normally when, when a baby is born, we know this, when a baby is born in biblical times, either right before or right after the birth, mom or dad will give them a name. So, so for example, in, in the story of Jacob and Rachel, when Benjamin is born, Rachel as she's giving birth, it was very painful, and it actually took her life. She names her son, remember, Benoni, son of my suffering. But dad's standing there, and he vetoes the name, and I think for good reason. Who would want to be called son of suffering for the rest of their lives? And dad says, no, 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 Rachel, we're not going to call him Benoni. We're going to call him Benjamin. We're going to call him Benjamin. We're going to call him son of my right hand. And that becomes his name. And that's really the, really the biblical pattern for naming children. That's what we have still today, that shortly before, shortly after the birth, there is a name. But that's not what happens here. Not at all. There is no name for a long, long time. Boaz doesn't name the child. Neither does Ruth. And I think that's okay because it seems like they gave this child to Naomi so that she would adopt him. But why doesn't Naomi give him a name? You know, I imagine it going something like this, that, that the women of the community are sitting there thinking, so Naomi, what's his name? And Naomi's like, well, I haven't come up with one yet. <laughs> and they're saying, well, we want to call him something. It's been a couple of weeks, Naomi. Well, I haven't decided yet. And then they say, well, we're just going to call him Obed. Because that means servant. He's going to serve you in your old age, Naomi. And so, little bit of Bible trivia for you again. This is the only time in the Bible where the community, the community gives the name to the child. And that for me is odd. That, that for me is is very, very strange. And we have to ask ourselves the question, now why is that? Why is it that, that Naomi's sitting there and she doesn't go running and see the child right away? Why is it that the, that the women have to go and speak gospel truth into her life and then she finally takes the child into her arms and maybe into her home? Why does she not give the child a name for a long, long time? You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were fishing. Here's me telling a fishing story again. <laughs> and I took Taylor with me, and, and we pulled a fish out of the pond. And normally, I don't give fish names, I, because we're about to eat them, right? <laughs> and that would be strange if we <laughs> sort of put Grover on the plate or something like that. We pulled this fish out of the water, and Taylor gave the fish a name. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> now we got to throw it back. 
because now this fish is like part of the family. We can't eat this fish anymore. See, that's the power of names, isn't it? When you give something a name, when you give someone a name, then you risk the possibility of losing them. Because you have brought them into the family. So, so there's Naomi, and she's holding this giggling grandson in her arms, and she's thinking to herself, I've already lost two of these. Could it happen again? Am I cursed? I'm not going to give him a name, not yet. You know what this is? This is the last tragedy of the book. Naomi is experiencing God's good future for her and God's good gift to her. And she's almost not believing that it can stay true. It's the last tragedy of the book. You know, here in the United States, we are suffering an epidemic. It's a, it's, a, it's a severe epidemic of what we might call anxiety, of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, I could tell you this, that one in five Americans live that way, thinking that God's got something bad coming for me right around the corner. That maybe this too, even though everything's good right now, it might not be in the next second. You know what I'm talking about? I could tell you this, that Barnes & Noble ought to have a brand new section of their bookstore called the Anxiety Memoir. They should. Or I could tell you this, that, that there's a podcast out there called the United States of Anxiety. There is a whole generation that is growing up today here in the United States that lives constantly wondering, when's 9-11 going to happen again? When's the next bad thing going to happen to me and to our country? And I think, I think we live a little bit like this, like the other shoe that's going to drop. Did you know that that phrase originated in, in New York City because of the, the thin floors and the apartments? People would hear one shoe drop and then... When's the other one going to drop? Boom, there's the other one. It's a New York City phrase. People are living this way. It's like when, when, when your kid reports uh, a headache to you and your mind starts going, uh-oh, could be a tumor. You know that kind of thinking? What bad thing is going to happen next? And, and we live this way. As if God doesn't have a good future for us. And so here's Naomi. She's got this, this amazing, you know, unexpected, unimaginable blessing with this little kid in her arms. And she's thinking, you know, maybe I shouldn't give him a name. And this is where, this is where we need the community this is where we need Christian community to come into our lives just like Naomi. So these women, 
they take it into their own hands and they go to Naomi and they say, you know what, if you're not going to praise the Lord, we will. And they go to her and they say, praise the Lord, Naomi, because we're going to name what the Lord has done in your life. Look at this baby and see in him a little redeemer for you. That's what this baby is. And look at what you are holding in your arms, Naomi. This is the baby who will change your emotional distress, your anxiety and your bitterness into sweetness. He is your hope. He is going to maintain you and give you life for many, many years. Look at all that God has done in your life, Naomi. And they're sitting there and they are preaching. They are preaching gospel truth into her life. And we could probably make some applications right there, couldn't we? Don't we need people in our lives to preach the truth to us sometimes? Sisterhoods and brotherhoods. And isn't that why we go to church every single week? Isn't that why we have made a covenant with each other that we're going to be there so that we can speak this gospel truth into each other's hearts and minds so that we do not live this way? as if the other shoe were about to drop. Because let me tell you why we are here. We are here to name the Redeemer that we hold by faith. We're here to name Him. What name should we give Him? Should we call Him Obed? Should we? We could call Him Servant. We could call Him the servant of the Lord who went all the way to the cross and He was broken for us and He lives again to justify the many. We could call Him Obed and rightly so. We could call Him Jesus. Just like the, the angel insisted to Joseph, we could call Him Jesus because He already has saved His people from her, his, our, their sins. Or, or we could call Him like Simeon. We could call Him like Simeon holding Him up in the air, we could call Him a light for the Gentiles. We could call Him salvation for the peoples. We could give Him, oh, so many names because He is our everything and He is our all. Let me tell you this. We have every reason to believe that this child that we hold by faith in our arms is our everything. And that he really can make happen perfect endings. And so now, we can believe in our own perfect endings. We can, whether you're young or old. Some, some are, of you are at the beginning of life, some are you in the middle, and some are sort of towards the end. But ours is a story like Naomi's that is from rags to riches. Ours is a story that moves from death to life. And that is our story that really does have a perfect ending and we know where everything goes from here, don't we? The only part we don't know is the middle part. But we know how it ends. That changes everything. And so this then is our bloodline. Let me read it to you. And this then is our perfect ending. 
Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, whose greater son is Jesus, whose reign will never end. 